beautiful one. Welcome to today's episode of the Diversity Life Podcast. If you don't know what the Diversity Life Podcast is, it is a weekly conversation with tech industry experts and career strategists where I interview them about their careers to help you with your own technology career. I'm Kawat Abdul Hakim, the founder of Diversity. His mission is to help you choose and navigate your dream tech career. Visit diversity.com to learn more. If you would like to join the podcast live, which is always fun, it happens every Friday on my LinkedIn. You can find the link to my profile in the description. If you're also not subscribed where you're currently listening, make sure to hit the subscribe button. Now let's get into today's episode. Today with someone very, very interesting and exciting. She's a fellow LinkedIn learning instructor. Ellis Gelwigs, I'm just going, I'm going to allow her to tell us a bit about herself while you tell us where you're joining from in the comments. So Ellis, do you mind telling us about yourself and your career background? Of course. I'm so excited to be here with you. I live in Chicago and I'm just thrilled to see people from Sweden and Egypt and Lebanon and Louisville, Kentucky. This is awesome. I have always had an interest in interpersonal skills and finding your dream job. When I was in college, I went to Indiana University and my sophomore year of college, I got over 10 internship offers. And it was all through networking and my friends weren't having that same success. So I started my first company in college to teach other students how to network their way into an internship and job. I ran that company through college and then I went to work for Kimberly Clark, who makes Huggies, Kleenex, Cottonelle, then went into management consulting before founding my current company, Eleview, which specializes in teaching people the interpersonal skills needed to succeed in the modern workforce. So I could talk all day long about how to find a job, how to excel in your job, and I'm just so thrilled to be here with you today. Yeah, I'm also very thrilled. Let me take a look at our audience real quick. Paul, I hope you can hear us now. Can you let me know in the comments if you can? Hello, Savannah from India. Garima from India also, Aureli from New York City, uh, Tolu Lope from Lagos, Sylvia from Berlin, Ahmed from Egypt. Oh, this is lovely. This is Barath from Sweden, from Los Angeles. It's, it's very lovely. I'm happy, happy, very excited. I can't call all of you. I would have loved to, but we want to get to what we, we're all here for today. So yeah, keep them coming, please. Tell us where you're joining from. And at any point, if you have questions, drop them in the chat at any point and we'll make sure to look at them. This is going to be an interactive session. So make sure you drop your questions at any time. Okay, yeah, let's get started. Ellis, how would you describe the current job market? It is a great job market for candidates. You have so much opportunity. There is a lot of movement happening in the job market. So knowing that you took the time to be on this webinar tells me that you are dedicated and ambitious. And I have no doubt in my mind that each and every one of you can find an awesome job. And we'll talk about the things you can do to really differentiate yourself and stand out in the interview process. Great. Okay. Yeah. 
that's it about the job market. And I also think it's, you know, broad and there's an opportunity for everyone to actually carve out a job for themselves, you know, how to strategize and make sure you get jobs. We'll, we'll get into all of this later on. Okay. So, okay, let's talk about, let's start with this major churn. What, what contributes majorly to a candidate being rejected for a job? Hmm. I think what contributes to being rejected and being accepted all fall under the category of communication skills. No matter what job you're applying to, where you live in the world, what company it is, everyone needs communication skills. And so I'll give you some examples of poor communication skills. And this is what often detracts from someone landing a job. It's not being able to translate what you've done in the past to what you want to do in the future. It's talking about what you are looking for rather than what you can give to a company. So I see this a lot with young professionals that they have questions like, well, what is your vacation policy? Or tell me about all the things you do to train and develop your employees. Don't be asking those questions in interviews. That's all about company. You're going to pay me money and I want you to do all these other things for me. You should be asking totally different questions that are around what do your top performers do that you wish everyone would do? I want to make sure that when I start in this job, I just knock it out of the park. You might ask, what are the highest priorities for your team in the next 30 days that if I came into this role, I would need to jump on board with and get working on? These are all questions that demonstrate that you want to add value to the organization. Okay, great. <laughs> yeah, what, what then gives a candidate a competitive advantage, you know, when applying to a company? Yeah, so... Again, with this theme of communication, it's, you know, you want to make sure you are emailing, responding to email quickly. You are writing great emails that are easy for the other person to follow. There's no grammatical errors. The best thing you can do is know the job description really well and tailor all of your answers to how it relates to what they're looking for. So let me give you an example. Let's say that you are dying to go into a sales role, building relationships with customers. You in the past have only done marketing, which is a little bit different. It's about promoting the service, not selling it. So in your interview questions, in your cover letter, in your resume, what you want to do is position all of your answers and stories about how in marketing you built internal relationships with the finance department and the operations department because someone in sales needs to be really good at people management so it's up to you to spin your story so that it directly applies to what they're looking for and to demonstrate that you know exactly how to do this stuff even if it was a little bit different what you did in the past it still is completely relevant I also think simple things like after any networking conversation, any interview, if you write a thank you note right after you are going to stand out. I recommend within two hours of an interview, you send an email thank you note. And within 24 hours, I recommend writing a handwritten thank you note. And in that note, you want to express 
excitement about the role. You want to be very specific about what you learned in that conversation that you found appealing. This is really so basic and just people don't take the time to do it. Professional presence is also something, especially when we're often doing interviews and conversations over video like this. You want to make sure you have a professional background. Don't be laying in your bed when you're having a conversation or use a virtual background. You want to make eye contact with the camera. So right now I am boring my eyes into the little camera on my computer and that's the equivalent of eye contact. You want to smile and nod and express, I'm interested in what you're saying. These are all things that top candidates do to land a job. Great. I love that response. And I want to remind you again, if at any point you have questions, please drop them in the comments. We would love to see them. We would love to, you know, look at them. Oh, there are some questions already. I'm going to take them uh, right after this question. Alice, what do you think of, you know, recognizing the job in the first place? How can a candidate go about <clears throat> Sorry, recognizing a job that's a good fit for them because, you know, not every job is great for every candidate, right? You want to be able to like recognize the one that's best for you. So how does a candidate go about recognizing that? That's a great question. And before I answer that, I just want to address some of the questions I'm seeing in the chat about the handbook. Sure. You know? Yeah. So really good questions that I'm seeing about how do I know where to send the handwritten thank you note? And if they're not in the office, is it still worth it? A few thoughts here. One, uh, most offices have a mail forwarding system. So if you send it to their corporate address, the company is forwarding mail to people's personal addresses. So you don't have to worry too much about them getting it. I also think that if you know that they're in the office, then it's, you know, why not send the handwritten thank you note? If you feel like they're going to be making a decision in the next 24 hours anyways. It might not be worth it to do the handwritten thank you note because it could take about a week for them to get it with the different mail forwarding. If you ever are sending a small gift to someone or it's a really important note that you need them to get, it's completely appropriate to send them an email and say, I really enjoy talking with you and I want to properly thank you for your help and advice. Can you share an address where you'll be able to receive mail in the next three days or so? Most people are then very happy to give you their address, or they might just say, send it to my office. I'm actually going in once a week. I know in the U.S., a lot of people are starting to be in the office at least once a week. To the next question, which was about how do you identify what roles are a good fit for you or of interest to you? When you look at the job description and the qualifications, you want to be perfect for the first two bullet points. Those first two bullet points are kind of the, you have to have these skills. Everything below that, not as necessary. And I just, I really think a big part of it is expressing enthusiasm and willingness to learn if you don't have all of the skills they're looking for. If you're coachable and you're excited, that is music to any employer's ears. In terms of figuring out, will I actually like this job? Is it something that I would want to do? You have to have networking conversations with the people who are in that role. So I would use LinkedIn to find people who work at that company who are in a similar role that you're targeting 
and simply ask them for 20 minutes of their time. You can say, you know, I'm really interested in this project manager role at Apple. I see that you've been in the role for two years. Do you have 20 minutes so that I can get your insight into what the day-to-day -day responsibilities are like? I want to be sure that I am targeting a job that is going to suit my skill set. Then when you have that networking conversation with someone who can really speak to the role, you'll be able to get a great sense of, is this something that I would actually enjoy and that I would really be good at? Did that answer your question? Yes, yes, it did. It, it, it was a great response. And I usually tell people, you know, when they ask about getting the job that says, you know, that gives them the most, ha the, the, the best chance, <laughs> sorry, you know, finding the job that gives them the best chance, you know, of getting it, you have to like look for a job whose, you know, responsibilities align greatly with your skill set because that, that's like the first thing that would, you know, place you as a great candidate for that role. If all the requirements for that role, you can tick them off. If you can tick off at least 70% of the requirements, you stand a higher chance of getting a job with that role. So uh, when doing your research, you can look at companies, different companies, different roles, look at all the job descriptions, which ones are you, uh, do you, do your skill set fits most with? So you can, <coughs> sorry, so you can keep that those as your like top three. So those are the ones that you want to like take your time. You want to ap apply to, you want to like, you know, be very serious with, then you can look at the next three, maybe those ones you have like 50% job requirement. So you want to also take your time to apply to it, but you know that those ones where you are of your skill fits better, gives you a higher chance of getting the job. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. Yeah, you want to respond to that or add to that, Ellis? I agree with everything you said. Okay, great. Let me take this first question from Candace. I hope I pronounced that right. So she asks, I always get to the final interview and never get hired. What am I doing wrong? Mm. Yeah, so I recommend, you know, thinking about what are the different questions that are asked in the early stages of the interview process mm -hmm. and what are some of the questions that are commonly asked in a final round and very likely it's just you need to tailor your response and handle the response to the final round questions a little bit differently they might go a little bit deeper maybe it's you know a mishap with talking about payment or salary and negotiation before you get an offer so Really, I, I think it's so dependent on your specific situation on, you know, why you might not get the, the final offer, but you keep getting to the final round. I would just try to distinguish for yourself, what are the differences in how I'm coming across or responding to questions in the first round versus the last round? And how can I best emulate those final round, you know, those first round interview questions and your responses? You might even try to network with people who have the jobs that you're interested in and get their insight on what the company is looking for so that you can tailor your responses and say, you know, I had a great conversation with Maya. She told me all about this new project you're working on and you can go from there. It shows that you're really well informed. I hope that yeah, that, 
that 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 definitely works. Yeah, just you know, take some time to look at, and you can also record yourself. You know, through your yeah. interview process, you can record yourself and see where you you it possibly went wrong. So yeah, and make sure you don't make that mistake in your next interview. Okay, a question from Ravi. He asks, what to do with experience question if you don't have work experience? Okay. Such a good, good question. So a few thoughts here. The first is it can be easier to start by targeting an internship rather than a full-time offer. An internship allows you to get a feel for what the work is like and decide if you are even interested in it and if you're good at it. It also allows companies to see if you're a great fit for the organization. The more internships you can get, the better off you're going to be in your job search and in your career satisfaction because you get exposure to so many different types of opportunities. So I would start by looking for internships. And then second, you want to think about all of the different experiences you've had in your life, even if they weren't a full-time job and how what you learned and what you did do relate to what is needed in a full-time job. So perhaps you volunteer at organizations or you were a leader in an extracurricular organization at your university. These leadership skills, these dedication, showing that you volunteered at the same organization for five years, these are all qualities and skills that companies value. And so it's up to you to translate what you've done in the past and make it relevant to what the company is looking for you to do in that role. Great. Let's look at this question. Okay, Monica, your question was answered earlier. It's about the handwritten note. Okay, asks, I wanted to know how one can find an internship in IT project management, being a fresher, only having a diploma in the same. Yeah. Yeah. That's a a really good question, Rahul. So I would recommend reaching out to people from your university, your alumni from university, and trying to schedule 20-minute conversations with them. If someone has something like a university or someone like a mutual connection in common with you, they're much more likely to want to help you. So if you express interest in the work that they're doing, you try to get their advice And then after building some rapport with them, you say, what would be your advice on how I could best position myself for an internship or a full-time offer? This then signals to them, oh, you know, I can actually just introduce you to the hiring manager. Or if you send me your resume, I'll just pass it along to my friend in human resources. So I really am a strong proponent of networking your way into organizations rather than only focusing on submitting online applications. Yeah, great. And I would add to that, that you can also try managing a project, no matter how small, you know, it would really help you to like get that experience and to have something to show that, okay, you're along the line of project management, right? If you're reaching out to somebody and you tell them, okay, I am interested in project management at your company for an internship. And I've actually taken the time to work on this simple project. This is how I was able to do it from beginning to end. It gives you a better chance of getting that role than if you haven't done anything at all. So 
yeah, you can try working on a small project too. Let me look at this question from Niranjan. He asks how to deal with HR round while transitioning of career. This question is related to career transitioning. How to deal with HRs? Okay, got it. So anytime someone wants to transition to a new type of job, industry, company, let's say you have worked for consumer products in the past, like Kimberly Clark, and now you want to go into tech companies and startups, it's all about showing that you know what you're getting yourself into. You can handle what you're getting yourself into and showing that what you've done in the past is still relevant. So when you're talking to human resources, they're likely not going to be subject matter experts in this, the specific work and role that you would be doing. So you don't want to get too technical with them. You want to talk at a higher level. What are some of those broader skill sets and experiences that they'll be able to easily follow along with and see that you are a great fit? So I think the biggest differentiator with a human resources round is that you're not going to get very technical and and you don't want to because they are not technical experts in the field. They're experts in just figuring out which people should go through the interview process. Great. This next question from Marquis. He asks, I have trouble finding a high paying job I have no prior experience for. That is tricky. You know, I I think part of it is knowing what makes sense for you. So if you are aiming for jobs that you aren't qualified for and you need a certain level of income, it might be best to take the approach of finding a few different projects that blended together get you that income or salary that you're looking for. You certainly don't want to waste your time applying to jobs that are... Really high paying and yeah, and you don't have the experience, right? Yes, so there is a bit of being realistic here that I think is important. Yeah, and another way to go about it is you know being patient. If you know that target salary you're looking forward to getting is not like a priority, you can actually start by um, taking up that lower paying job gaining experience and from there you apply you know it could be after six months or down the line you apply for that job you want to apply for with more experience or you can also work on some side projects it could be yes related to whatever job you're applying for just to like show your experience because you need experience to apply to a high paying job yeah with no prior experience it's it's what's kind of tough Let me take this question from Adil. Adil asks, as a business analyst interview for experience resource, what key areas as what key areas should an interviewee keep in mind for a business analyst interview? Yeah, so in a business analyst role, which is oftentimes a very common role at organizations, you need to be really good with numbers and data and understanding trends. And then in addition to that, the the next part that a lot of people don't realize is that you have to be a really great communicator to be able to tell a story with that data and to make it understandable to someone who isn't a data analyst. So 
I am not good with data at all. And so if someone just handed me an Excel spreadsheet or some charts and tables, I would have no idea what they are talking about. So a great business analyst will be able to say, you know, we've seen a 10% increase in sales on this product. We are estimating that this will continue to grow in Q3. That is a skill that any employer is going to look for when interviewing a business analyst, that you have both the data know-how and the ability to communicate in a way that makes sense to someone who isn't analyst-oriented. Yeah. Presentation skills is great, too. Yes. Yes. I'm interrupting this podcast to remind you to subscribe if you haven't. And also nudge you to visit diversek.com to kickstart your technology career or get help navigating your existing tech career. Okay, back to the discussion. Okay, Kenya. Kenya asks how to locate those hidden high-paying jobs (laughs) where employers need people other than LinkedIn. Hmm. This, if it's not on LinkedIn, if it's not being posted on job sites, you would only find out about it by talking to people who work at those. Yeah, networking. Yes. Yep. So you have to get your foot in the door and talk to people and understand what the company's needs are, what they're hiring for. This is going to give you that insight into jobs that are not posted. And those conversations that you have, you need to make a really good impression on them and or else they're not going to want to consider you for it, right? So you have to be prepared for the conversation. You have to ask great questions. You have to follow up afterwards with a thank you note. You need to exude enthusiasm about the work. These are all things you can do to learn about the high-paying jobs and then position yourself for them. Okay, great. Yeah, how does a candidate show initiative during the job search? Mm, That's a good question. So... Really, the the most basic thing you can do is express curiosity and just even just smiling and having an upbeat tone of voice and saying, I'm so looking forward to learning more about this role, or I couldn't believe it when I saw this job posting because it's exactly what I've been looking to do. Hear how that is very different than, yeah, what questions do you have for me? night and day difference, right? So you need to have energy and that is what companies find appealing. In terms of showing initiative, you might ask questions that show that you are ready to dive into the work. So in the conversation, if they say, do you have any questions for me? You might say, yeah, I do. I'm really curious about this new initiative the company is launching. It seems like you're targeting... XYZ. Tell me more about that. I'd love to contribute to that initiative if I were to join the organization. Or you might say, you know, in the past, I've been involved with some employee resource groups. I find it really energizing to be part of women in business groups. Tell me how I might be able to get involved with that at your organization and contribute to the goals. Those are all ways to demonstrate initiative. Yeah, thank you. We'll get back to the questions in a minute, but let's talk about resumes. And before that, 
as seen on the screen. Are you enjoying the session? Please, we want to know. Tell us. <laughs> we want to know in the comments if you're enjoying it, if you're gaining value from it. Yeah, let us know and like the video too if you like it. And after the session, you can share it with others too. So yeah, Ellis, what resume format would you recommend? So my biggest tip for resumes is that it needs to be very visually appealing. And what I mean by that mm -hmm. is no grammatical errors at all. Perfect grammar. Have someone who is really good at grammar mm -hmm. at it. Make sure that the fonts are all consistent. So it should be all the same size, the same font style. The bullet points should be aligned perfectly. You want to make sure that it's not vague where someone reads the resume and says, I have no idea what the heck this person has done in the past. Like, this is meaningless. And then you don't want the flip side where you are so detailed that I need a magnifying glass to read your resume. So it's striking the right balance there. Yeah. I think another great resume tip is to make sure that you have at least one to two bullet points for each job. And then to also yeah. include at least one data point in each bullet point. So add in some quantitative metrics to show the impact you had. You might have a bullet point that says saved $34,000 annually in company expenses by creating a new process optimization system. Something like that, where instead of just saved company money, you say saved $34,000 totally different and way better. Yeah, I, I love this point, Ellis. They're really great and important. I would add to that also the color of the text on your resume should not be too, you know, people use all sorts of colors, but you can black and white is best, you know, black text on a white paper, just use black on a white paper. Nobody really cares about the design, the color and all of that. Just make it visible. And, you know, let it be, don't, don't use tiny text, make it very easy to read. And like Ellis said, you know, use bullet points instead of just like writing details of story, just put, shut the bullet points. You know, per experience, you can have like three bullet points stating the key things you did in that role, what you achieved for the company and, you know, yeah, the skill sets you have or you apply to that company. That that's, Those are great points to have for your job description. And also like try as much as possible to limit your resume to one page mm -hmm. because recruiters don't really have the time to go through resumes. And most of the time, your resumes thoughts go through an application tracking system. So it's very easy and simpler for you to like just have one page with the most important things relevant to that role. You can have like three to four job experiences on one page. And that is very good and is okay for whatever job you're applying for. So if it is directly, you know, directly applicable to the role you're applying for. So imagine you had like career transition, for example, you're applying for a role as a business analyst and you had a role working as a cashier at the bank. If it doesn't really apply because you like worked in that role some years ago in the past, don't include that cashier role. But if there's a way, there's a particular transferable skill that's very 
important to the new role you're applying for, you know, you can include it, but state what that transferable skill is, you know, in, in a way that it would be relevant to that new role you're applying, you're applying to. So yeah, that would be my addition to that. So we're going to go back into the questions because we have a lot of questions. <laughs> I'm going to take this next one from Rachel. Rachel asks, um, how to add value when networking for mentorship? I don't want to seem like I'm just taking and not offering something in return. Rachel, I love this question and I hear it all the time. So you can always add value to someone, even if you are just starting your career just out of university and you're talking to the CEO of a huge company, there are absolutely ways you can add value. The first step is to simply ask, what can I do to be helpful to you? I have found this conversation so valuable, or I really appreciate all you've done for me, and I want to pay it back to you. How can I do that? Just by asking the question, they are going to love you, and they are going to appreciate that you did that. You should be open to, I don't know, maybe unconventional ways to add value. So I've had executives who say, you know, my daughter's in high school and she can't figure out where she wants to go to university. And I would say, well, I'd be happy to talk with her about my experience choosing a university, or I can connect her to a current college student. I've had other people say, I'm hiring on my team if you know anyone. And I say, yes, I actually know a few people who would be interested in this role. Let me send you their resumes. So just be creative in thinking about how you can add value. I also recommend subscribing to newsletters and publications to get a lot of articles. So the more blogs you can read, I recommend McKinsey Quarterly, Tim Ferriss, Seth Godin, all of these news sources, the Wall Street Journal, New York Times. As you're reading them, look for articles that someone would find of interest and send it to them. Send them an email and say, I was reading this article in the New York Times and it made me think of you. I thought this would be of interest given our recent conversation, or I saw your company mentioned in the news, passing it along. In all of those instances, you are adding value. Yeah, great. Let's take this next question from Mohit. He asked, do we need to always smile and have a constant eye contact in an interview? No, not like robotic. <laughs> Don't be robotic. <laughs> yeah. Don't be scary like a monster like <laughs> the whole time. You want to be expressive though and show that you're engaged, you know, head nodding, tilting your head is a sign of interest and engagement. My what drives me crazy to be honest with you when I'm talking to people is when they're kind of looking around as I'm talking and I just keep thinking, are you paying attention to what I'm saying? Like you're looking around all the time, you don't seem present at all. So I do recommend making eye contact with them. You might glance your eyes up occasionally, smile occasionally. It doesn't have to be robotic, but you certainly want to show that you are enjoying the conversation and that you are. Yeah. Really focused on it yeah the key to it is just be attentive you know and listen when you listen it just comes naturally you're looking at the person naturally you're listening to what they say naturally and you don't have to like you know start calculating whether it's time to smile <laughs> or it's time to you know look at the camera you just just be attentive and focused on the person you're speaking to and it will just come naturally 
Okay, so from sorry, sorry, Sunakshi asks, I have a break for a few years in my career due to some personal reason, and now I am again looking for a job. What should be my approach to get the right job? Very common situation. The first thing I'll say is do not be ashamed at all. This is so normal. All of us are going to go through periods in our career where we have to take a break and deal with personal or family things that come up. What I recommend doing is one, just being honest about it. You know, I had some family things come up and I had to take some time off to address those. Everyone understands that. The second thing you can do is show how you used that time to your advantage. So you might say you might have taken a, a boot camp or an online course or you know used LinkedIn learning videos. So you can talk about what you did to stay up to date on current skills and technology and really shift the conversation to move away from your family dynamic and to what you found really interesting and what you learned about that time. There's this question from Tonja. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome, Tonja. I recently left my current employer without having a job. I had to preserve my work-life balance, mental health, and take care of my family. Should I show myself available for work on LinkedIn or do I leave my most current employer listed? I worry that showing myself available for work will turn recruiters off. So a few thoughts here. The first is, you know, how LinkedIn on your profile picture, you can have that green banner that says open to work. I actually don't recommend using that. It's it. I just, I don't think it helps you. I think it is a bit of a turnoff to recruiters. So I wouldn't use the green banner actually in terms of your current employer, you want to be honest. So if you left the job in January and it says you're still working there, you don't want that. You don't want any confusion about, about your tenure at the organization. What, what you can do is just instead of saying the month that you left, just put the end date as 2021. That's easy to do. So then you kind of meet in the middle of not being dishonest and saying that you're still working there, but then also not going into the details of why you had to leave your job. I hope that's helpful, Tanya. Yeah, I hope that is yeah, I wouldn't also recommend the tag, the, the what's, what's it called? <laughs> the, you know, that, that stuff that says you're looking for a job on LinkedIn. What I'll recommend instead is, you know, you can reach out to recruiters. One of the ways that I have seen worked for me <clears throat> is I apply for jobs. I take my time to apply for the jobs. Then I look for a recruiter. The recruiter that's is relevant to that role. So if you're applying for a data science job, for example, you're not going to look for a recruiter in charge of recruiting, like maybe accountants. You want to like look for a recruiter, recruiting for data scientists in that company, you reach out to them, you know, you tell them you applied for this role in their company and you'd like to learn more about it. You know, if they can, you know, hop on a call with you for 15 minutes, you know, and stuff like that. Just like communicate naturally, ask them um, about the role and all of that. So yeah, that's one good way to go about it. And, you know, if you're learning within that time also, you can 
make sure to like post what you're learning constantly on LinkedIn. So, you know, from the time you left your previous job, what have you been doing? Put, put, put them up constantly. If you learned, if you're taking a course, maybe on LinkedIn learning, for example, you can just share it. You learned this and this is what you learned and this is how you think it's important or this is how you can apply it, you know, things like that. If you're working on a project around that time to put it up on LinkedIn, put posts on LinkedIn, that they are very important. If a recruiter goes through your LinkedIn page, they know that, okay, this person has been busy. They have been learning something, doing something. So, yeah, that's a good way to go about it. So Joshua, Joshua asks, can you give tips on how to get remote jobs? You know, I don't know that it's very different than a job that would be in person. I think it just broadens all of the options you have in front of you. So with remote jobs, it's really just making sure that you have a great video presence, that you are a proactive communicator. So there's no worry that if you are working in a different location than your team, that they'll be able to reach you and that you're going to be responsive to email and phone calls and instant message. So you want to show that you are proactive with communicating throughout the interview process to exhibit that quality or exhibit that skill. Other than that, I, I really don't think it's much different. I will say on your resume, and this goes for just about everyone, don't put your address on your resume. It's it's just not going to help you. It's unnecessary. You want your email address and your phone number on, and your LinkedIn profile URL on your resume. And particularly for remote jobs, don't put the city and address. I actually think that if you are, say, living in New York and applying for jobs in San Francisco and they see that you live in New York, it's going to hurt your chances because they see that you're going to need a relocation bonus. So don't put your, your city and state. Other than that, Joshua, I don't think there's much else for remote jobs that you need to do differently. Okay, great. I like this question from Salman. I am from Bangladesh in fourth year of computer science. What will you suggest for freshers like me who don't have any experience before for good jobs? Yeah, so I touched on this earlier and think it's really about getting internships, trying to even shadow your professors at university, ask for just even a one week project that you can take on to show that you've got what it takes to figure something out and deliver results. It's thinking about the organizations you were involved with at university, whether they were clubs or fraternities or sports teams, and showing that you took on a leadership role. Those are all skills that employers look for. And I don't think any company is crazy enough to expect someone who is, say, 22 to have all this great work experience. It's just it's not possible. None of us did. You have to start somewhere. So I wouldn't worry too much about it as long as you can speak to what you have done and how you'll continue to deliver results in the future. Great. Can days, I can see two of your connected posts here. I have issues where the low paying jobs always want to hire me on the spot. But... <laughs> <laughs> the higher paying jobs that I know I can do never move forward with me, even after two to three interviews. Yeah, so 
if someone is hiring you on the spot and it's a low paying job, you simply just say no. <laughs> you don't have to say yes to every offer. Yeah, um, and if you can negotiate the pay, yeah, if you can boost it up. Right, right. Yeah, so I just wouldn't pay much attention to those jobs that you barely talk to them and they're offering you a job. It's just, it's not somewhere you want to work. Okay, Rahul, we're going to stop the questions soon. I thought we were close to the end, but I'm quite happy that there are a lot of questions, but we would have to like wrap this up soon. Rahul asked, I wanted to know how one can find an internship. Oh, I think we've looked at this before. Yeah, the companies from Honest, the companies still offer sponsorships for external job applications, or do you have to be physically present to stand a higher chance? Yeah, you know, to be honest, I'm not an expert in getting visas or sponsorship, You, but I do know you do not have to be living in that country when you apply in order to get the job and to get sponsorship. You can absolutely apply from overseas, so don't worry too much about that. Of course, it's going to be easier to apply to a job in your company because it's just expensive for a company to sponsor someone or to get a visa. But if you have a unique skill set and they can't find anyone like you in their country, they're going to do whatever it takes to bring you on board and get you hired. Yeah, Mark. Yes, we've covered this. And no, you don't need to put your street address on your resume. Right. Okay, Shreya, when you are applying to jobs that are out, okay, I think there's also about. So, yeah, Shreya, if it's an online application form that requires your address, then yes, don't worry about having an out-of-state address. You have to fill it in. So be honest and put in your correct address. It's more for your resume that there's just never a need to put your full address on there. Okay, no, you don't need to, Shukla. What do you think, Alice? Should academic marks be included on resumes? So, is this like your GPA? Yeah, I'm. I'm sure that's what he means. Yep. So, if you are currently in school, or if you are maybe one year out of school and have a really good GPA, like I'm talking above a three point six out of four, yes, you can include your GPA. If it's anything less than that, or if you're an experienced professional with lots of work experience, do not put your GPA. It's just not going to help you. Okay. I am going to take this final question from, (laughs) we'll answer the questions in the chat, you know, after this session. So keep the conversation going on in the chat. So this question from, oh, I missed it. Where is it? Where is it? Yes, I've seen it. From Devapriya, can art students transition to data science or can they incorporate data science in their field? Okay, so I think I'm in a good position to answer that. And yes, you can definitely transition. You know, why 
you, you first have to ask yourself why you want to transition though is it because you really like data science yeah is it is it something that interests you and you can also look at ads does it also interest you and you know find ways to like connect ads and data science is there, there there will definitely be ways you can do that do you want to like work at, as a data scientist or you know you know there are really interesting things you can do these days you know working with at, at images, you know, doing some research on them, you know, doing some data work on them, or do, do you want to like go out of art completely and move into data science? That's another thing. You can look at resources, online resources. I began my data science career without studying it in school because there, there are tons of resources online these days, tons of free resources and paid resources. Uh, even the free resources can get you can even can get you a good job, can get you in the door. So yes, check online resources, do your research. For anyone transitioning, you have to do your research. You first have to understand your why. Why are you transitioning? And it has to be something that really means a lot to you. Your why. Why do you want to transition? And that way you'll be able to like motivate yourself. Okay, this is why I want to transition. And I'm going to do my research now. This is why I want to transition into these different opportunities. How do I want to go about it? So take your time to research. And yeah, I'm sure... You are going to, you are going to get it. If you have further questions, you can reach out to me, send me a DM. So yeah, if you're enjoying the session again, this is another time to tell us, <laughs> to tell us in the comments, tell us again how it has been, what you've learned, you know, and all of that would love to know. So yeah, let me ask you, Alice. Ellis, but before we go into that, you should be reminded that this is a recurring Friday live stream. So there's another one coming up next week. So you might just follow me so as to stay up to date or find Diverse on YouTube. Subscribe, turn on your notifications so you don't miss future live streams. And yes, you can check my profile for all upcoming events. And yeah, follow me to just stay notified. So yeah, I'm going to ask Ellis, what final advice would you give to students, recent graduates, career transitioners who want to transition, who want to, sorry, who are searching for jobs? What advice would you give to them to that, that main closing advice to go about their job search? Just keep going. I know it can be demoralizing. It can be frustrating. The job search takes a while. Just just keep going after it. Keep sending those outreach messages for networking conversations. Keep applying. Keep updating your resume. And don't get too hard on yourself. So much of this is just a mind game where you can't get discouraged. You can't let things like rejections get to you. So that is probably my best advice is you are doing a great job, whatever you're doing, and be patient. It takes time. It always takes five times longer than you thought it would. So don't beat yourself up at all if you are, are feeling a little bit down about it because it's going to work out. It always does. Thank you so much, Ellis. Please follow Ellis on LinkedIn. And she has this amazing course on, you know, getting a job on LinkedIn Learning. So check check her course out. I'm sure you'd learn a lot from it. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Diverse K podcast. If you found it helpful, please share it with your friends and colleagues that would also find it helpful. 
do have a wonderful morning, afternoon or night. Until next week. Bye.